0: it starts and ends with us and as you say we have a responsibility so we definitely need to do more of what we're doing we have to keep planting throwing those seeds and if that's the way we're going to contribute and bring our awareness and share
1: we should do more try this baby out for You are welcome to take a seat at the table, where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable, to facilitate a new conversation.
2: I'm looking forward to today's conversation because I know when we got to hang out when was it a couple of weeks ago a week ago yes. how long ago was it whenever it was yes whenever <laughs> um you know we got into some pretty cool conversations so i know that uh we are gonna deep dive into into some layers today i think
0: yes definitely some really <laughs> looking forward to it as well
2: Yeah. So when you hear the lens of humanity as stakeholders, let's go deep from that, what does that bring up in you?
0: Uh, I think for me the first question would be how humane are we living or do we want to live? Mm. Because the word stands there and it's been parked and used, I feel, more in essays or at university, but in Mm. our everyday life how much of it do we bring so is you know do we want to be real and look at it again and you know humanity humans act collective um you know people said it's it's about the quality that makes us human so then my second question is are we aware that we're human and which quality do we intentionally bring into our everyday life
2: hmm Let's do that first one. Can okay. you repeat the question?
0: <laughs> so, f- f- first, ha- how are we human human mm. in our everyday living, so to speak? So, uh, and the second one was, you know, the quality we bring into our life. So, because I do believe that first, there's, um, if we start thinking, we're probably mm-hmm. not as human as we believe we are, because every day, I believe a lot of people are on autopilot.
2: Ah, so more robotic.
0: More robotic. So that will be the first part of the equation, you know. Do you realise that how much of you is humane in your everyday when you show up? Hmm. Hmm. Because if we are to solve some big problems and if yeah. we want everyone we want to look at the world through the lens of, you know, humanity... Then at the very beginning, the people having the thoughts and the decision makers, how much of them are actually walking the walk?
2: Hmm. Okay, let's just break this down because you have gone like so to that side of it, which I love, by the way, and I want to sort of deep dive into that. But if we think of humans, so just so that we are communicating the same, when you think of humans – it's not just about being a human or, or is it about identifying as a human and then what is being humane?
0: Very good one. Uh, I think there's a transition in life where when people do the work and in the line of what I do, in the line of work of what I do, which is really being there for leaders and early-stage entrepreneurs that have massive goals. Uh, being mm. there to you know um it's a bit like a stabilizer I, I, people refer me as the formula one pit stop you come in as a leader and you take all the faulty part we take we remove all the excess part we refuel the engine with what i call a like unique human superpower or leadership superpower and i, I think at the, yeah and at the beginning it's it's a switch that thinking about you know, how much of me is just, you know, doing for the professional side? So how yes. well do I do my job? How well do I show up? And the conversation I invite everyone to have and all my mentees and leaders in an organisation when I step in is what about the spiritual side? So it's 2021. It's not about anything religious, but it's mm. how well do you show up. And I mm. think question for leaders in terms of being a human or uh, being humane is about how much of reconciliation or balance do I have in my life between my professional side go 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 get the promotion tick all those boxes really good at doing my job uh, and ramming the team versus how well do I show up as a humane
2: how
0: much and that's
2: on. and that's one of the conversations I'm having a lot on the decision table using this as a lens, and so from that thinking that you have um, beautifully said there, by the way, how do we then narrow that gap from being one person who's the professional show up the way we do that way? to being the personal person. And, and this is huge for me. And, in fact, one of the things that I'm working on as a collaborative partnership right now is coming up with a uh, an assessment tool that brings together both the personal and professional side together. In other words, and it's not just the personal professional, it's the physical, it's the spiritual, it's the emotional side. And because I feel that... If you think about the leaders that you get to work with, there is no indicators showing and or key performing, um, you know, KPIs, key performing indicators for things like our energy level, or for things like have we been moving enough to keep our brains working, or our our uh, attitude temperature at a certain level or whatever it is right like there's just not those things yet we put so much on and we can easily describe how much you know this is going to hit our bottom dollar yeah. and and so, the, so one of the things that i'm literally working on really uh, a lot at the moment is how can we how can we now assess this within our organisations so that we are turning up as a whole in other words, yeah. as a whole human at yeah. the table, not just this sort of parts of us. Any thoughts around that?
0: Plenty. Uh, I love what she <laughs> said.
2: Excellent.
0: <laughs> I love what she said at the beginning because
2: mm.
0: for me, there's two sides. There's always the leaders, and the entrepreneurs, and then the organisation as a whole. If I look at the leaders, that's exactly one of the programs I have, um, the are Immersive, and when we're doing that is first to take talk about where we're at. And mm. it's a bit like the work of the archeologist. We go back to understand where we come from and what has made us who we are today. Yeah. We've lived next the past 20, 30, 40 years with the expectation of modeling the role leader in power. And depending mm. which part of the world you grew up, depending your environment, your social um, background, they're very different. And hmm. you know, I've
2: noticed that by the way. You're quite different to me. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and you sound a little different to me too.
0: As well. I <laughs> it.
2: Yes.
0: It's part of being human. We're all very different. Oh, yes. and, yeah, and that is amazing because see, you say you sound different, you look different, yet mm. when it comes to leadership, it's as if everyone was coming out of the same mold. It is about yeah. performing, driving the project. So, we looked up to a false ideal that we mm. believe we had to, you know, uh, emulate in order to fit the criteria to get into yeah. the big pool, to get the be- the promotion, to get, you know, uh, to be poached by another company and to succeed. Oh. And I think we've seen in the past couple of years on that human level for individuals and leaders, people want more. And because mm-hmm. the people, expect more from their life, from their partners, from their family, from their work, from their bosses, yeah. they are no longer quiet. They are no longer feeding the script of you going to be fed by your boss. Mm-hmm. It's more that um, I'm okay to do the work and I'm going to be paid for that as an exchange. However, I'm also, I also have some expectation uh, in regards to how I want to be managed, how I want to be uh, led mm-hmm. by my own boss. And I think there's an accelerator happening worldwide. And look, we've seen with COVID, uh, we've seen with, you know, all the events in America last year, um, all the events around the world, in Europe, in Paris, with the Yellow Vest two years ago, uh, in Europe, you've seen it in Hong Kong last year with the Umbrella Revolution. People are no longer going to be quiet and they are no longer going to accept what is. Hmm collective uh, awareness that, um, you know, we deserve and we can have better, and times are changing. So that is, I think, the external factor. And Okay, so
2: can I just ask a question from that? Does this mean that this is a good thing or a bad thing? Or uh, what do you see from that? See, because the first thing that I think of when you bring this up is I wonder if it builds lack of trust within leadership, both with the leader knowing that the pathway ahead is kind of uncertain, but then also those that are within that leadership going, well, I'm not sure if I trust where the leader's going now because they're pretty old school in the way they're thinking right now.
0: Correct. So two ways to look at it. If you're Mm. within an organization, um, you should have done what I call the work around Right. What do we stand for? What do we believe in? Where does that own genius is coming from, whether it be for a service or a product? And as an example, uh, Microsoft, um, Satya Nadella got you know promoted to CEO a few years ago. Mm. And Microsoft had not a purpose, not a mission, but what I call a hag, a big, audacious, hairy goals which was to have a computer on every um, desk in a home into the mm-hmm. development. And you can argue from a commercial perspective that that was reached by the mid nineties. Meaning from mid nineties to, you know, early 2000, where um, Sataya got um, promoted, basically the exec just looked around and kept doing the same thing because the goal was already reached. And when he came in, he started looking at purpose and he did some work around it. And he said, okay, we have to reconnect. And the way we can do that is what was the very first iteration on our product we did at the very beginning of the company.
2: And if Mm. we look
0: at the type of iteration we made to the product, they would have been in service to our audience. Yeah. And by looking at that, they decided to go back into the entrepreneurial mind. They decided to come up with all those different apps with Microsoft Teams. And then you look at... The direct correlation with Microsoft on the stock market.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And only because they reconnected with the very on genius, with okay. the very primary essence of the business. And then everyone got aligned. So then you can no longer look at your boss and be like, where are we heading? Because everyone is on the same page and singing from the same um shit. So that's yeah. point number And that is quite interesting. Number two, I think it's from a a personal level. So Mm -hmm. happening in in, in Australia now in the government, there's a lot of news that have hit the media. And I think it's either the leader is a real leader and understand that in time of uncertainty, they have to lead the path and be very strong. Or you have the old guard, which is going to number one, be silenced number two probably defect uh, and number three kind of run for cover and have all the behind the closed door conversation before we come up with something that's going to appease everyone uh, and you see day in day out you know it doesn't need to be politics it could be family it could be business yeah. it could be friends and i think those are the the, the two lenses through which you, you can look at it but um to go back to your first question is it healthy for people to speak up i think it is because changes come from people voicing their opinion, people knowing there's something better. Um, So I do believe, but then it's either you have the right leader, so to speak, in power that is going to effectively navigate and lead or you have a leader that needs to move on and then, you know, the forces, it's like, you know, uh, the magnetic forces that's going to, the friction is going to be amplified before we can be appeased. Look in the US again. It got amplified before it could be appeased. I'm not saying right now is the solution; and it's perfect, but it's just for us to have exam- clear example in, right in front of our eyes.
2: It's interesting you talk about things like that. Like, there's so many levels we could go down on on a lot of what you just said. But one of the things that I'd love to sort of question is: yes, we can we can have a voice, but I don't know that sometimes that voice is heard. I don't know that the places in which people are having a voice are necessarily the right places. I also question that when you have a voice, that it's actually going to bring a change. We can make a lot of noise. Yeah. We can all speak up, and guess what? It can get very noisy in there. Yeah. So my question from that would be is how do we take it from this noise to a conversation that is actually going to then bring change. And I think that this is the, we can often, and I see this a lot, to be honest, where people can identify quite nicely the problems that we're facing across the globe. And and they're right. There are a lot of problems. What I'm interested in is that we, we don't just identify the problems, but that we actually have some solutions to bring to the table and that we keep moving towards that. I'm not sure if we continue to just be this voice and have make this noise that anything's actually going to change from that.
0: Definitely. And, and some of the voices um, are complete and utter noise, full stop. Mm. A, a lot of them because I think as human we have lost a lot of clarity of thinking. And when you have a conversation with friend, they often come to whoever has a bit of clarity. And when you look at them and tell them what because I think one of the biggest problems is people are no longer used to see things for what they are. They are used to, to see things for what they believe is right for them, or it's better through their own eyes.
2: Okay, let's so, let's just pull that apart. They're used to seeing things they're not used to seeing things as they are that's what you said right right okay and is that why what what is why have you come up with that conclusion where's that come from
0: uh true story i yes. had a few bosses be, before I, I collected two burnouts and, and i went into do a lot of inner work and spiritual work and and all that wow. I, 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 I was, I was the, I was probably one of the biggest rat in the rat race. You know, I was really going for it. And a couple of my bosses that poached me um, over the years, I realized that they had amazing ideas and they were very good at rallying people and poaching people like me to help them furthering their their advancement. But they were painting the pictures um, that were actually going along with the narrative they had in mind. And often you see with entrepreneurs, and one of the biggest examples is in the US in Silicon Valley, um, and it's just gone to trial now, um, you see that you had that founder that was looking at from uh, a drop of blood to um, have all the tests you could have possibly um,
2: yeah,
0: human being. Um, yeah, and she had rallied donors from the White House, so all the way to the top. And she was in two... I mean, like many entrepreneurs, they were in their own mind, they were building and they had the building blocks, but the building blocks were through the lens that was the right one for them for the end goal they had in mind, meaning they disregarded along the way key factor, key elements, key people, key conversation for the benefit of their own view because it was serving uh, the narrative and at the end, you end up with a company that's going bank, you know, bust. You're going to investors losing millions and uh, billions of dollars on the stock market. You end up with someone that's nearly in jail and people that are burned right, left, and center. So not Mm -hmm. ideal. But I do believe it's because that pursuit of excellence that are you going to to be the next big shot, people slowly stop seeing things for what they are and they lose clarity very, very rapidly. Because we all put it into the big dream of what you could become or be. Um, so I think that's one key element there. And then also because we are less and less used to have real, honest, raw uh, conversation. Why do you that- think? So
2: yeah. just if you think of that raw, honest, Real conversation. If you think of that, why, as a human, do we struggle to have that conversation?
0: I think truth is extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. When you're being raw and real, mostly everything that's going to come out is around the truth, and it's, it should be coming out in a non-judgmental way. Meaning, the tip yeah. of the spear is really sharp and it's going straight to the heart. Um. I had a conversation last night with a client of mine, right on the director level, Mm -hmm. um, being being at that top room for a number of years, all male in the room, reached out to me at a point which was a tipping point where there was about, okay, things would have to give uh, and possibly leave the, the organization after a number of years. We started working on that leadership, on bringing the professional and the spiritual side Mm. The last conversation had three days ago with uh, DMD was I've seen the bands and leaps of what we've been doing on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, the way you show up, the energy you bring, the, the conversations you're having, and it's no longer about you having to prep to fit the bigger room. Mm. It's about us being ready for what you're going to bring.
2: Yeah. Interesting.
0: And that is really telling and really powerful because when you talk about change and how do you change, I think the minute you are true to yourself, or true earth, uh, the minute you see things for what yeah. they are without judgment, and you share them with the hope to benefit to people and to better, to the betterment of an organization, an individual, a project, a team, without attachment,
2: yes. then it's true. See, and that goes back to my whole thinking around what if we brought back to the table humanity as stakeholders? And, you know, I think if we did that, there would have to be a vulnerability at the table. There would have to be a no-judgment zone. There would have to be this fact that we can't do it robotic anymore. And it would have to be that we add, uh, you know, many differences to the table, because we need that when we come back to humanity. And the, the thing that puts it as an even playing field to me is that when we look through the lens of humanity as being the first thing that we look through, yeah. it, it actually evens it out at the table because every single one of us, you, me, are a human and all we're looking through first as a first sort of filter is is it adding value to humanity is it taking away
0: yeah and, and I it seems
2: so know. simple but we're not doing that
0: oh definitely and i love that thinking because even in training or you know when you go to workshops people say mm. Or in mentoring session, okay, you, you know better than anyone else, and then you might find yourself in the street and looking at someone acting or someone doing something, and we might judge, which is you know to do with our, you know with first or second, knowing there's yeah. none. But the minute, but the minute you said you know act as human, yes, as you say, it brings it down to we all here, yeah. Uh, and the second point you said at the beginning, saying that you know the the KPIs in organization, uh-huh. um, when I organization i always said if i come we're going to have to look at the values and we're going to have to look at some of the kpis and we're redefining them together either with the team or with the exec because whatever you put your focus and attention to expand
2: correct but that's which is great and we understand that concept but here's the thing how do you see that that is adding, cause uh, you know, here's an example. I get asked the question all the time. Hey, Kiri Murray, I wanna see us expand and increase our economic growth. Then we're gonna get around to bringing the cultural impact and everything else that we want to, or the social impact or environmental impact that we want to as a company organization. And I go, excuse me, did you know that every decision you make at the table is making an impact and it's not one or the other but the thing that we don't have within the culture that we've created within leadership within our organizations is we we put focus and priority on things that is easy for us to measure as a society
0: again and i wonder
2: Correct. And I'm just agreeing with your last comment. Whatever we put focus on, it will actually bring the result that we want. What I found and what has been so interesting in the work that I do is that actually the more you give, the more you focus on an out focus than an in focus, the increase is just the difference is phenomenal.
0: and and so i've got a question for you now kiri it's it's interesting i was having a conversation with an exec the other day and we it was very clear very rapidly that that individual was externally focused the Mm. entire life the leadership the management style was all externally focused there was nothing internal uh so obviously professional spiritual and the struggle was real like we we yeah. had to have a break and, it, you know, he it, it could not understand and see and touch what would the internal look like, feel like, be like, what it meant. Um, and I think for different leaders, some of the work started at the very, very base because they are so disconnected Absolutely. and entrenched into the professional side, which is all about the performing mm. and the output, as you were saying, yes. that, they have no in the tool. As I always say to people, you've got your toolkit. Um, the part of the toolkit was is empty. There is nothing yeah. there for, to use. So what well, do you it's do? In there.
2: Here's, here's the thing. I think it's in there. We're just in not there. accessing it or using it, right? And right. and we're not putting we're not putting um, value to to that tool that's in there. Um, I think I think what would be interesting and, and something that I am furthering in, in what I'm looking at right now, and that is looking at you know mental health and then you look at, say movement and've I've got someone in my world that's focusing in a lot around movement right now and how that's actually uh, you know and there's there's a lot of research to back this up, but how that, helps to increase the mental capacity that you have, um, which of course is going to make us so much more intelligent. And then guess what? Productive wise, productivity wise, you know, that goes up as well on the, on the thing. Now the thing is correlations between these things. So if we take time out to maybe every, every two hours, we take a five minute break To meditate, if we bring the spiritual side into it, right? Like where we take that moment that is removing from the busyness of it all to go, hmm, maybe it's just to breathe. Maybe it's to look outside and just take in the view for the minute. How would this make a difference for the next two hours? Those things are so important. We know the benefits of them. And in some studies, and this is something I'm having with lots of scientists, by the way, at the moment, is I get it that we need to collect data. I get it that we need data. And by the time you've gathered all this data, the world would have moved on and the benefit of what you've just gathered data for would be out the door and outdated. So how do we keep up with a forever changing world that maybe we don't have exact data but there is some data that we can pull on that we're not pulling on. And I think I, I have a strong feeling around this that one of the places we could do this is have more conversations, bring the information and create the awareness to a more of a collective so that we can go, well, guess what? It might not be something that I've thought about or even considered. But when I hear that story, when I hear that perspective, I go. Let's question that. What if we were to test and measure that a little bit in what we're doing, and be willing to evolve in where we're at, and to listen to others, and to go, no, I don't think that'll work with us, but maybe this would. Let's give a test and measure here, and maybe we'll get a result that's different.
0: Hundred percent. And with what you, I mean, there's so much that you said there, but it all starts with awareness, mm-hmm. and I think. We can exactly. get the leaders, if we can get the leaders of tomorrow, anyone, every single yeah. human on, world, on Earth, to start to have a, to develop their awareness, the minute you bring something forward across the decision table, people will be open, see the benefit, and go on. Right now, because of the lack of awareness, the minute we step into a boardroom, mm-hmm. um, everything has to be in space, and yet sometimes not followed. We've seen that plenty of time yeah. in the last few years. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I think if we can start with that major piece of awareness of people to develop a little bit more intuition, to follow the gut feeling, to not only rely solely and purely on the data for the sole purpose of what you're saying, because by the time it gets proven and reproven and digested and, you know, we have something to do with it, it's two, three, four, five years down the track. And we know there's something better for where, you know, the human consciousness. So here's the, the
2: next piece. Do you want to know the next piece to this? And I yes. I like seriously think this is that, and that's why I, one of the pieces of work that I really speak about is knowing how to exercise the muscle of human intelligence. Because here's the thing. If we've got the data that we have through everything else that we can have, and we've got so much more access nowadays than ever before to amazing data across the globe. There's another piece of data that we actually have amazing access if we have these conversations and if we trust ourselves and are not robots, but actually really know how to pull the data within us. That's what our human intelligence is, the data that we gather Not from our environment, from our choices, from maybe our DNA, from all the things, the spiritual side, the emotional side, the physical, all that data that's within us as a human. What if we were able to collect that, understand it better, and make smart decisions knowing and trusting the data we have within us, plus the data on the outside. And then we were able to test and measure it and own. And I think this is the next piece of it, the ownership of what that data represents, what we know from that, what are we going to own from that? And then what are we going to be courageous enough, brave enough to stand up and to get out there and be part of that change that's needed?
0: I think it's, um, you beautifully said it there, but this is the work on earth. Because if we take the lens that mm-hmm. we are not human being having a spiritual experience, we are spiritual being having a human experience. And what yeah. does that mean to do as a human having, you know, that experience on earth, for example? Um, mm-hmm. And I know we really high <laughs> right now, but yeah. it's exactly this. Do you know I mean? Yeah. This is direct correlation with what you just shared. Yeah because it's about going back to what matters to the essence and what we have in there because all the answers are there. And I yeah. think most of the work is um, as, I, as I shared in, in some of the work is I love the, you know the Michelangelo, which is you know, used famously mm-hmm. when the David, you know it was there in the middle and you had to chip away the marble. But when I look at leaders, I say, so how much shit do we gonna have to chip away? to see the ma- your marble in the middle. And they all look at me like, what do you mean? And I say, well, you know, by looking at everyone around and by wanting to fit in for the past 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years, how much layers have been put on top of you? So yeah. your voice diminishes, diminished, your feeling, your awareness has diminished to just conform to what you believed was the norm and what you had to do in order to succeed. And right now it's biting you back big time. Because everyone is pointing, saying, those are not the leaders we no longer want. We want a different type of leaders. And then they have to reverse engineer it to go back to what you were saying, the awareness, Mm -hmm. the data, the courage to make the right decisions and to Mm. move forward with it.
2: Yeah, well, to own your piece to that. But here's the thing. So you you really clearly said how leaders... Know that that's not what they want. I'm not convinced they oh, no, know what they want.
0: No, 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 the people, the the masses, the yeah, no, human- no, no,
2: no. I I understand that, but what I'm saying is, I'm not convinced, and and I wonder how many, you know, like I used to. I here's an example, personal example of it, where I would go. Like, I don't like where leadership is. I actually don't even want to be a leader because I don't want to be associated with leadership. And that's not because there's not some amazing leaders. There was. In general, I just didn't like... I felt like a lot of leadership was old school where it told you what to do. I felt like there was a lot of dictatorship, leadership. I felt like where leadership was actually taking away voice from humanity rather than giving it. I felt like it was broken systems. I felt like there were processes that we were a part of and continue to be a part of that are really outdated, yet no one questions it. And that's a major concern of mine. And so I thought, I don't really want to be associated with leadership because that doesn't sound like the way I want to be going forward. So, but I realized that maybe that's the reason I needed to be a part of leadership Mm -hmm. and that if not me, then who was going to be that leader that I wanted to role model from, figure out what they're doing and then go do it myself. And and I think that this is one of the problems is that it's easy to say and identify where we don't like it to being right now or even go, we need to have more conversation around this. What I'm finding interesting is not only is it kind of hard to get people to have conversations like this in an open forum, by the way, it's not the easiest thing, and yet it's so important for us to be having these conversations because if – and and one of those reasons you've already identified safe platform for lots it's hard because we just have them quietly behind we'll just have a conversation what if you disagree with me that's actually okay it's fine i'm gonna agree to disagree that's fine but i'm also gonna agree to go maybe i'm listening to what you're saying now and maybe i'm gonna shift what i'm gonna say because now you've given a different perspective and i think that this is what's What's interesting, it's easy to go, okay, we know what the problem is. Okay, we're going to have these conversations. It's going to be uncomfortable. No human being goes, pick me, let's have a conversation, let's get uncomfortable. Like they just, it's not our human sort of nature, right, in general.
0: And it's not for everyone to be equipped to have them either. Uh, A lot of people aren't equipped for having those raw, real, you know, uh, thought-provoking conversations. But I think it's 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 similar to when we're young, you know, give an ice cream to a kid, um, and then three seconds later take it back. Now, if there is trust, and that's if, nasty. Well, but the thing is, if if the, if the kid is evolving in an environment which is trustworthy, full of unconditional love, and that's extremely important, unconditional mm. love, for the kid, because many things they give it but they don't. Um, the kid is more likely going to look at you, try to work out what you're doing, then wait and know it's going to get back. Any other kid which you give, 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 because for whatever reason, you take it out and you're going to have a drama within three to four seconds. Similar with leaders. If you, you know, you give them a paycheck, you give them a title. Some of them, i realize with leaders, a lot of them, um, they are expressing themselves fully through their work title. So the whole worth resides in the title and the job. Take that away, they are no one. They are lost. Hence, why anything that's uncomfortable, whether it's conversation, ideas, um, exploration, the door is shut because they're wanting to preserve what they have. You know, so it's no longer an ice cream. It's much bigger than an ice cream. But they're really guarding because, as human, I think we are the. the the way we are wired from a scientific level um, in our brain is to protect us. Fear is to protect us from the unknown, so to keep us in a safe space. And because Mm -hmm. the way we've been built and that role modelling of, you know, leadership look like this, and that's what you've got to do along the way to end up with the big job and the success of, you know, what we know, um, then fear is going to kick in and be like, hey, thought provoking conversation, Uh (laughs) ah, (laughs) but not to have. You know, you gotta your yeah. So there's a lot. So of how more. do we?
2: How do we have more of these conversations? Where I, I think we we two. I think two. <laughs> I don't know why I said two. One, I think yes. uh, we need to have, and and maybe it's not with everyone, but I, I don't know about this. I think all of us have to learn to have an uncomfortable conversation. It might be an uncomfortable conversation with your child. It might be the uncomfortable conversation with your partner. It might be the uncomfortable conversation at the shop because something went wrong there. We have got to learn as a society to be able to have uncomfortable conversations how do that's one thing how do we do that better more effectively how do we even start wanting to do those and then the second I think is not only are we meant to have uncomfortable conversations but it's the whole evolving side of this where we are having a conversation we have no idea where we're going with this conversation from the start we but we're willing to have a conversation to know that at the end of this conversation you and I are both going to be smarter human beings because of it, right? Because, and we're going to take whatever that is and then go, we just got to learning from this and take it into whatever we do. We are willing to evolve as this conversation keeps continuing. Now, that's not an easy thing to show up and go, well, I might not know exactly what she's talking about. I might not understand even where she's going with this. I might not even understand where I'm going with this. That's uncomfortable in itself.
0: Extremely. And look, a couple of views. One of it I love to remember is from Maya Angelou. Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what we don't know, but when you know better, you do better. Hmm. I think yep. it is so important if we could first hold everyone up to the fact that when you know better you do better because otherwise so you're when you do you
2: know better
0: you do better. do
2: better and my thinking from that I never knew that was part of it to be honest I really like that so when you know better you'll do better and my thing is you don't know what you don't know but when you know something you there's a responsibility correct 100% but it's mm.
0: very interesting how you were talking about the point of not wanting to be in leadership. And while I was doing the introspection and you know building some course mm. and all that, uh, I was listening to an interview with Maya Angelou and I had heard that before, but it hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. You can't shy away because you know, and you have, as you said, a responsibility to add your little bit to it. Because you mm. know, what you know what is uh, of value, so bring it to the, to, to the table. But interestingly, I think at the very beginning in schools, and that's going to be very hard, but if we can, you know, bring into the conversation, into schools, uh, the piece about awareness, if you can bring the piece about we're just all human, full stop, and we live our life differently and this different expression of ourselves. And, you know, um, there is no, you know, hierarchy there. You know, we are all as important one to another. Because I believe that's where it starts. Because we know that it's either school or home, or if they go to yeah. a church or a sport club. But those are the exposure, um, those are what a kid is exposed to. And that's that's the beginning of the slapping on, you know? Uh, yeah. The layers. So, yeah, the layers. And the first mm. break. So it's, it's like when you do a mask with clay. Yes. you know, it's really rigid, rigid. The time goes by, it gets really stiff, and then it starts to fall and it cracks. Well, mm-hmm. teenager years, when wow. most pain come from their parents, is because the internal compass is telling them A, and they're being mm-hmm. pushed into B. They don't know how to express it, but all that tension between the parents and the kids, especially at the teenagers' years, is mostly yeah. because between the ages, you know, all the way up to seven, but seven and mm-hmm. up, um, it's the formative years. And it's yeah. been proven, you know, that from zero to seven, uh, I think it's, um, I can't remember the, the philosopher that says, give me a kid until seven and I'll give you back a man. Uh, mm-hmm. Because over the years where we are like sponges, we are mm-hmm. absorbing um, environment and surrounding. So to your point, I think awareness is key. If we can somehow infuse that into schools for awareness and then I think the polar opposite at the top of the organization whether it's within the political system governments but more so board members and board
2: mm-hmm. because
0: want to have the greater influence on the companies and all the layers and I think if at a board level uh, we can tap into those people sitting in those rooms and if they can set the direction in terms of what would be expected from now on? Yes, there is a commercial side and a professional side. Of but course. yes, real leaders. We do want yeah. people doing their full self to work. We do want awareness because, as you said, it's been measured over time. The companies that are aligned, that have a clear purpose, mm-hmm. which is not commercial and PR-like, um, <laughs> better. they have less churn rates. They are less turnover. Um, people stay longer. They're happier. They're healthier. The well-being is higher than the others
2: yeah and all those things are always going to be beneficial for someone who is in an organization and at the top of the table there but here that's that's where it's so interesting because reality is whether you're at the top table or at the front line of humanity you're still a human you still turn up every day as a human and with being a human you have needs you have wants you have uh, you know, so many things, and again, it can't be separated. and I, and you know, I go back to that, but i don't I don't understand how, as a society, we have got so far away from seeing a CEO or a director as a human being. And you know, it's funny because I've been in situations where companies are really harsh to that person in that role and i go have you forgotten that that's a human being that that yeah. you're having this conversation with and where in your psyche where in your dna has it ever been okay for you to forget that and i do question that every time at the table when When things, and it it can come from all areas, by the way, I've just seen it a lot at top decision tables where in another case, we're not even innovating what is needed at the frontline of humanity because we're not even having the conversations with the frontline of humanity to see if this is truly a solution to the problem that they're really absolutely having to face every day of life.
0: I mean, full lack of awareness is you can be seen in the top, in the top room and we know yeah. even at the very bottom of an organisation, and you've worked with amazing yeah. organisations and, and amazing mm. change makers uh, around the world um, and what's interesting is even at the very bottom when you have the conversation around innovation I'm always mm. asking a question about the top room and yeah. they're not innovating so how can you expect the bottom of you know to be innovating if at the top they're not and they're yeah. frigid in their thinking I mean it's an example we, we always look up to see what's done what's expected what's okay so what if we looked
2: around what if we looked around at the table here's the th- this is why I think this is an interesting thing and I love it actually to be honest because you brought it back to the young kid again and you brought up an interesting thing from there was there wasn't that hierarchy thing right? Yet if we go back to that top table in a lot of the systems that we're, you know, see and, and are involved in, there can be this hierarchy. How do we get it from that lack of, like, let's get rid of that hierarchy. And and many would say, but you need someone to lead the way. How do we How do we bring those pieces of information, that data to the table and start questioning that there might be a different way we could do this?
0: I, I like to always share example when I do training in house to give people tangible example. And yeah. one, it's not long, not too old. This um, remember, um, Facebook started to enable you to change your your profile picture with a bit of a filter. Yes. And so I can't remember the exact time. It's at least five or six, uh, seven years ago. They had an intern. An intern mm-hmm. came in. And the culture back in the days, which I'm assuming is still, you know, um, similar now as Facebook, is everyone could propose things. So three layers up, there's the mm-hmm. big meeting, the intern is in the corner, and the intern has an idea for Gay Pride and Pride Months to, mm-hmm. and Facebook users to change the filter to um, the... Yeah,
2: I remember the- that, yeah.
0: That was the most successful and the mm-hmm. challenges with the way user adoption went bananas since then, since the inception of Facebook, that was the most successful move of Facebook. And that all came in yeah. sitting at a room that felt it was okay to share his mm-hmm. thing with three layers up. So it's mm-hmm. really say, how you set up the company, what are the channels of communication, mm-hmm. uh, because People are scared, again, as we say, you know, you've got the ice cream, you take it away. Um, if we get rid of that hierarchy fully, does that work? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, because some companies do it. Now, I'm not saying everything is amazing at Facebook, but it's a very good example of, you yeah, know, what Yeah. You know, some thinking mm-hmm. and acceptance from people. And also, it's one thing for someone to speak up. It's another for the leader to hear it. Mm else for the leaders to give the green light to what's mm-hmm. happening because a lot of the people I work with they generally don't have much trouble speaking but they're not necessarily <laughs> heard
1: that
2: is such a good point they it generally is. don't have a problem to be speaking but they're listening that's <laughs> a skill set in itself isn't
0: it I mean it's text to tango but it-
2: it takes oh my gosh! The it's so true. And here's a funny. Easy. Here's a funny thing. I just got to. I got to share this little piece because well. I happened to be in a room at the beginning of the year, and I got confronted with someone who said, "Hey, you don't speak up." Like, by the way, I speak up when I feel there's a need and the right platform and there are people who are ready to hear what i've got to say and if they're not i don't that you're right i don't speak up in a great big way because there's so much noise going on it's not worth it and uh there's times and places for it i believe and one of the things that i have learned as a great skill as a leader is to actually be very quiet in rooms like that and to listen, observe, and then if people are willing to then start opening up around some things. That's just one of my skill sets that I've learned because I found it so much more beneficial than adding to the noise and then everyone's just a loud noise. And I got confronted by this person who said to me, I find that you're not a great leader in this situation because you don't speak up. But let me tell you, every single one of those people in that room was speaking up and it was so loud. So what? If I spoke up and voiced everything, by the way, I did voice things. They actually next said to me, but I don't even see you. I haven't seen you. And the reality was, they were right. They hadn't seen me. I had spoken up. I'd said it right at the beginning. I'd framed it, but because there was so much noise in that room, and it was so noisy, everyone else was going blah 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 but they, they hadn't seen me right from the start. Yet I said the same thing at the beginning as I did at the end.
0: And it's quite interesting, and that's part of what I love in in, in the work I do as well. It's about Enabling the leaders to be seen mm-hmm. and felt for who they are, but interestingly, in that room you were in, probably a lot needed to come out. So it's not also so when we go in, it's not our job to add to the noise. We then exactly. to enable to you know ignite the fire, let them go, and then at the end to you know take the oxygen out of the room and so to speak to kill the fire. And go bang, bang, bang for them to have enough. Especially like
2: the bang, bang, bang. Yep.
0: (laughs) We're very similar. We're like, like, this is where we are.
2: Yes. Here's a, and I love how you said that. And it's true. And in that case, and in many other cases that I've learned as well, sometimes the room is just not ready.
0: That was yeah. Oh god, god, yeah.
2: My right? um,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh qu- quick story. First big speaking gig. Yes. First ever. Um, big production, big, big, big. Asia Pacific mm. room full. Big mi- big mistake we do as speakers is I only spoke with the people that booked me um, and what they wanted. Yeah. I didn't that what they wanted was what yeah. the exec wanted and i didn't ask where the room was at mm. and snowball effect happened where you know from arriving to doing sound check to getting on stage because you know when we do what we do as a job um yeah. you know everything is done is sort of sent in advance so the company was really happy say so, oh my god you're the best organized speakers of the whole conference you know we're so happy uh, we've prepared you an amazing entrance. So I arrived like a bloody rock star into that thing. Yeah. And the guys there made me even bigger than what? Yep. And oh my god, talk about a room that wasn't ready. So you had about 10-15% that loved it wanted it more, they were amazing. And the rest they were in shock. They were levitating in shock.
2: <laughs> and
0: it was the biggest learning curve ever because as I said, whether it's as, it's a a learning,
2: room, as a learning curve, that's harsh.
0: Whether there's a room, an organisation <laughs> or individual leader are trained, we yeah. take the responsibility to assess where the individual is at and to stretch them enough to make them grow and have the yeah. confidence to move forward but not stretch them so they get injured.
2: Yes. And I
0: just injured everyone in the room. They yeah. snapped one after another. You didn't and, mean
2: to, but you did. Yeah.
0: And yeah. my intention was to be here to serve fully, yeah. probably too much. <laughs> and
2: it, it does it does hit us in the back head sometimes when we, we are like that. But yeah. It took
0: months. It took, so, to your point, uh, the room yeah. has to be ready. Um, and there's no, I've
2: learned that I have learned that you've learned that through that. That's a harsh way to learn it, though, I have to say. Uh, you know, but it's a reality, and we've got to be comfortable Mm. to go, This is okay, this is where they are at. And as long as I always say, as long as I put the seeds out there,
0: yeah,
2: it's up to them whether they nurture those whether they grow those and want to take those and you know there's ways to grow that plan a lot faster and I know those ways to so come with me hey by the way when I say that I go how can people come if they are the right people with you
0: oh um so mine <laughs> I know that was
2: such a switch but I'm <laughs> like oh yeah. if people want to and they are the right people
0: of how, course, do they yeah. get,
2: how do they get to do that with you?
0: Look, there's LinkedIn. There is my website, jorisquesta.com. So the same name on the screen, but .com. And they can yeah. find all the information. I'm on Instagram as well if they want to. LinkedIn, there is plenty there. Uh, ask any questions, start a conversation, explore. And as you say, it has to be right for the two people. But there's plenty that can be done. So thank you. Yes.
2: So you're so welcome. And you're an amazing human. So I just wanted to make sure that I hadn't forgotten that. And here's the other piece that I need to remember. And it's this, the question I ask on every decision table, which is, and and it's, oh yeah, no, everyone gets nervous at this point. But it's, it's that whole thing of we've created an awareness. And now it's the ownership piece, right? Before a change can happen, we've got to own what we want from this piece. So in today's conversation we've had an amazing conversation here we've gone through so many different things and i and i think what i love is some of the little uh side steps that you took when when we've talked about awareness when we've talked about the whole robotic and systems and and the thinking and you know you went right up to the spiritual level of you know that we are a being and you know you You went so many different rabbit holes is what I would call it, and I loved it. Uh, But what are you taking from our conversation today?
0: I mean, as always, it starts and ends with us. Mm. So it starts and ends with you. And as you say, we have a responsibility, so we definitely need to do more of what we're doing. Yeah. Because we have to keep planting, throwing those seeds We have to, we're now at a level where we understand that we're not for everyone, but where people want to come on board, they have to be able to find us. And if that's the way we're going to contribute and bring our awareness and share uh, with no attachment, we should do more and connect with the right people to scale this up because there's no point being the biggest kept secret.
2: Yeah. So how are you going to do all those things? You said we, but how are you going to do that?
0: Wait, there's two of us now, Kiri, see? I say, wait.
2: Ah, <laughs> right. Wow. Yes.
0: Right. there right. could be something there. But it's also in terms of making sure, being intentional in every single decision, knowing that this is yeah. part of the work. So whether that it's...
2: Is, by the way, I just got to say, that is music to my ears. Like, seriously. Because that's all I think it takes is if what if we're intentionally thinking around the decisions we're making and using different lenses, using like being smart about that and going, okay, with the data that we have, you and I, how are we going to be intentionally making decisions? Because we can only go from what we know. But when we do, yes. there's a responsibility.
0: And, and coming to this table, that's the, the good yeah. part is we're walking up with more responsibility. So it suddenly became bigger.
2: But here's the cool thing, and I think this is what I'm taking from our conversation, and I love the fact that you said we and you were meaning you and I. And here's the thing that I loved about that. I really loved, it's true, is that, you know, there's a responsibility You and I have a responsibility. Let's figure out how we can do that together as well as a collective, kind of, you know, as the bigger collective. But that also means that although there's a responsibility, that load is a load that we can share. And I think that was a great reminder for me is we have to realize that although we have talked about huge things today, we've talked at, you know, like we've talked about global problems in a lot of ways, but we've also gone in the boardroom and we've gone in the, in the office, in, the, in mm-hmm. our own personal lives, we've gone, hey, but here's the thing. Although we see it as responsibility that both you and I have a responsibility, that it, it's a shared responsibility and i think that that was a good reminder for me today was around the fact that it is a shared responsibility cuz sometimes i i can feel that load and i'm sure i'm not the only one here that feels that load and and when i want to play a bigger level and my team freak out going she wants to play even bigger it's like i don't even think about that but i know sometimes I sit in that. And honestly, what many probably don't even know is I will shed a tear because the load feels so big when you talk about humanity. And I get that even for me that talks like this and and sits in this arena all the time, even for me it feels huge when I think of humanity. But I also think the great thing is we can bring it back to you and I And together we share, well, actually, how can we make better decisions? And that is going to add value to humanity, not take away. So that's what I'm taking from our conversation.
0: I love it. And I can't wait to see what I always said is when you're intentional, there is the magic that has happened or whatever has happened for the past hour. And then how is that going? What is the translation? How is that going to led into the world and I'm quite curious and excited to see mm-hmm. what's going to pop out of this journey know what, I mean? what are the seeds that are going exactly. to germinate and, and grow so um I'll be really So to-
2: the decision table will have to wait on that because we have run out of time on this broadcast but we will continue this journey I'm sure and I'm sure I'm going to have you back on here because this has been amazing. But I want to thank you and I want to thank you for what you're doing outside of, you know, in, in this world and your serving heart that you really truly do and, and just uh, in your arena where you are and what you're serving in and I think even with you you know from our conversation here today but also the other day was that you haven't even touched the surface of where you are to serve and I look forward as that continues to unfold is there anything you want to finish up on that I you haven't had a voice to say today and you really feel like you need to
0: Um, Yes, I want to thank you for holding the space and having this decision table, which is, I think, a great stepping stone for what's to come. So thank you for having me and many others brilliant and interesting as well.
1: So keep it up and can't wait. You're very welcome. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.